Welcome back to Hour 2 of Real Presence Live. Brandon Clark, one of your hosts this morning, joined by... Steve Sponskowski. Steve, we just finished up a really great hour of Real Presence Live. If you missed any of our conversations, really want to encourage our listeners to check them out. Absolutely. RealPresenceRadio.com. Our podcasts are available probably within, what, uh, 24 hours or sometime within that time frame where you can check out the podcast, anything you've missed. And, of course, check out the diocesan website for that uh, article from Father Riley Durkin. Or if you want to sign up for our Eucharistic uh, uh, pilgrimage, right there on the homepage, actually, I said you got to go to the link under resources, but if you scroll down to the middle of the page, i got a great big centerpiece there where you can hit all sorts of buttons, and one of those is about the pilgrimage. You know the right people to get to just get the best uh, advertising space there. Well, you know, Mary Hanbury organized that pilgrimage, too, and so you know, I would love to take credit for all the great work, but she did that because she's so amazing at those pilgrimages, and so people are very excited to join um, in that, and so we're, it'll be a great time. Sounds great. All right. Well, let's transition now into our next segment. We have uh, Brad Gray is gracing us with his presence in studio. Good morning, gentlemen. It's always a privilege and a joy to be with you. Yeah, we had such a great time doing that gospel roundtable last month that we're like, let's do it again. <laughs> do it again. So we'll try it one more time. And, and if things go well, Brad, yeah, then, yeah. then maybe we'll continue and, and keep it a regular segment. Give us about a 12% chance of that. <laughs> <laughs> wait, wait. <laughs> All right. So uh, I'll just go ahead and read the gospel first. We've got our gospel today is from Mark chapter 5, verses 21 through 43. So what we're going to do for our listeners, I'll read the gospel and then we're just going to have a little bit of a roundtable between Steve, I, and Brad uh, in terms of reflections and things that stood out to us. So again, gospel from Mark chapter 5. When Jesus had crossed again in the boat to the other side, a large crowd gathered around him and he stayed close to the sea. One of the synagogue officials named Jairus came forward. Seeing him, he fell at his feet and pleaded earnestly with him, saying, My daughter is at the point of death. Please come and lay your hands on her, that she may get well and live. He went off with him, and a large crowd followed him. There was a woman afflicted with hemorrhages for twelve years. She had suffered greatly at the hands of many doctors and had spent all that she had. Yet she was not helped, but only grew worse. She had heard about Jesus and came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak. She said, if I but touch his clothes, I shall be cured. Immediately her flow of blood dried up. She felt her body in her body that she was healed from her affliction. Jesus, aware at once that power had gone out from him, turned around in the crowd and asked, who has touched my clothes? But his disciples said to him, you see how the crowd is pressing upon you, and yet you ask, who touched me? He looked around to see who had done it. The woman, realizing what had happened to her, approached in fear and trembling. She fell down before Jesus and told him the whole truth. He said to her, Daughter, your faith has saved you. Go in peace and be cured of your affliction. While he was still speaking, people from the synagogue official's house arrived and said, Your daughter has died. Why trouble the teacher any longer? Disregarding the message that was reported, Jesus said to the synagogue official, Do not be afraid. Just have faith. He did not allow anyone to accompany him inside except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. When they arrived at the house of the synagogue official, he caught sight of a commotion, people weeping and wailing loudly. So he went in and said to them, Why this commotion and weeping? The child is not dead, but asleep. And they ridiculed him. Then he put them all out. He took along the child's father and mother and those who were with him and entered the room where the child was. 
he took the child by the hand and said to her, Talitha kuam, which means little girl, I say to you, arise. The little girl, a child of 12, arose immediately and walked around. At that, they were utterly astounded. He gave strict orders that no one should know this and said that she should be given something to eat. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Well, Brad, you're our guest here for this half hour, so let's start with you. I know one, one of the lines, per, probably at the end, Jesus telling that, uh, telling that they, they needed to feed the little girl probably struck <laughs> I did, you. I did, I did like that. Uh, I've always appreciated when Jesus gives such exhortations, and I've, I've often quipped that I would like to have um, the angel that woke up Elijah three times and told him to eat. I would like to campaign for him to be my guardian angel. So. <laughs> that aside, what else stood out to you in this? Well, I'd say one of the first things that struck me is just uh, the kind of the juxtaposition of the two scenes where you have Jairus coming in and talking about how his daughter is at the point of death and he's pleading with Jesus. Um, and, and Jesus goes, goes off to, to heal her, right? Um, and on the way, you encounter this woman who's been you know, hemorrhaging for 12 years. And the, the Chosen did this scene very nicely where um, you know, she kind of comes and interrupts the, the movement, so to speak. And I'm thinking if I'm, if I'm Jairus, if I'm the father of this child that's dying, how frustrating that would be, right? I mean, I'm, my daughter is dying, and all of a sudden we're stopping to help someone else. It's like, come on, Jesus, keep this moving, keep this moving. And it was just, I don't know, it was kind of a conviction for me, um, like that, that sort of, I don't have time for this type of disposition that I can fall into at times, where whether it's just like a red light when I'm trying to get somewhere and I'm running a little bit late, I don't have time for this. Or someone stops to ask me a question. Like it was, it was kind of a conviction. I, just, I was also reminded of the, the story of, of, of Juan Diego and Our Lady of Guadalupe, right? How his, his uncle, at one point, Juan Diego's uncle is dying or he's, he's seriously ill. And he goes off to get the doctor and he, he knows like, oh gosh, if I go around this side of the hill, that's where I met the lady before. I don't have time to talk to her. <laughs> I need to go around the other side. And, and Mary comes and meets him on the other side, right? And she says, my, my little one, you know, am I not here? Am I not your mother? You know, and... and <clears throat> Ultimately, she takes care of him and, and heals the uncle. And, and, of course, we get the great revelation, the great um, apparition of Our Lady of Guadalupe. And I'm just thinking about how it was sort of a conviction for me of like how easily I fall into that disposition of, I, I don't have time for this. And it's kind of like, it's all on me to make this happen. And I forget that God is guiding everything here. I love that. Steve. It was awesome, Brad, that you thought of that. Because I, I, so I, I'll just be honest, I already gave a homily on this this morning to my children because I do that every morning as practice uh, for the diaconate. Cool. But what was interesting is when we read it this time, exactly what you just said stood out to me. Of, and I was thinking of what kind of look would Jairus given, yeah. have given to that woman who's hemorrhaging? like, when he heard, you know, bother the, the master no longer, yeah. your daughter has died. It's like, you just killed my daughter. Right. Mm. And what does the Lord say to him, right? Right away, it's like there's this absolute sense of despair of anger at her, perhaps, and then this absolute sense of loss. And the Lord says to him, do not be afraid, just have faith. Some of the translations say, uh, fear is useless, what is needed is trust. Mm -hmm. And I just love that where the Lord's like, this is not a problem for me. This is not a problem for me. And I think that the invitation, I mean, we know that many of these healings that, that, that happen here, the Lord often he always talks about the faith of the person who has received the healing um, and their willingness uh, to allow him to heal them, them, but also their belief that he can heal them. I love recent readings too where we have the leper who comes to the Lord and says, Lord, if you will, 
you can heal me. First he says, I know you can do that. Mm -hmm. Now the question is, would you like to heal me? Because I'm open to that. Which means he's also open to not being healing, mm -hmm. healed. And so really, really, I think there's this profound emphasis of the need for faith. The woman who's saying, I, all I need to do is touch the hem of his clothing. She obviously believes he has this healing power in him. Jairus goes to find him. He's a synagogue official. This is not going to be popular, mm -hmm. right? Jesus is not popular with the people of the synagogue. Right. And he goes, and, and this whole time, yeah, there's great faith, but the Lord then says, even at that moment where you're thinking, okay, yeah, I had faith, I had faith, I had faith, and then something happens. Okay, now my faith is dead. And the Lord's like, no, even now, even now, continue in faith trust that I can do this. Yeah, I think the faith thing stuck out to me and, and really served as a theme. And what, what I see in this gospel reading are moments of desperation. Yeah. This woman who had been through many doctors and was now worse, desperately approaches Jesus saying, if I can just touch his clothes, I can I can be healed, right? All of this affliction. And then you've got Jairus's daughter, right, who's dying. Like, what a moment of desperation. Like, Lord, like, my daughter is dying. I need you to come. Mm -hmm. And and so I, I just, I got to reflecting on the desperate moments that I have gone through in my life where sometimes it can be easy to just say, Lord, what are you doing? You know, I, I, I can name a bunch of different options or, or, or scenarios, but like, Lord, what are you doing here? Do, do you really have this under control? Like there's great suffering here. And, and I, honestly, I don't like to suffer. Mm -hmm. um, but it's in those moments of desperation that I actually do turn to him and, and question, I, I, I question a little, like, Lord, what are you doing? But but I think the important part is turning to him in those moments mm -hmm. and having that faith, right? She had that faith that she could take away her affliction. We have many afflictions just in our own lives, right? So there's an invitation here to, to turn to Jesus and trust him that he can take away from the inflictions that we have, whatever they may be, mm -hmm. right? And then there's those, those, those impossible causes, right? Those, those moments where we think, this is just, there's no way this could happen, right? Like, like Jairus' daughter who, who's dead. And yet the Lord's like, don't fear. Just, just trust me. Have faith, right? And so even in those impossible causes, the Lord can come through and do miraculous things. Now, it doesn't always mean that he's going to bring this child back from the dead. And right. here it is, right? But he's going to do amazing things in our heart if we're open to receiving that. Awesome. Yeah, I think it's just a great reminder that that faith, I mean, the Lord does require response from us. It's like sometimes you have a sense of, well, all I have to do um, is, you know, say the name of Jesus and I'm saved. Yeah, you do have to say the name of Jesus, but you also, then he asks for a response. He invites us into that response of that gift. Yeah. All right. So we do have to head to a quick break, but stay with us. We're going to continue to break down this gospel reading and the reflections and offer a few more invitations for you to check this out. So uh, over the break, if you have a chance, just visit the usccb.org website and look for the daily gospel reading and, and read through that and reflect on it yourself. And we'll be back in Real Pre with Real Presence Live right after this. This is Real Presence Live, where the focus is not on the evil around us, but on conversion and mercy through the good news that is always good. We're local, engaging, and live on the Real Presence Radio Network. 
Daily Meditations of Pope Benedict XVI Presented by Leonardo Filippis of St. Luke Productions Living Like the Prophets We can indeed recognize something of God's plan. This knowledge goes beyond that of my personal fate and my individual path. By its light, we can look back on history as a whole and see that this is not a random process, but a road that leads to a particular goal. We can come to know an inner logic, the logic of God, within apparently chance happenings. Even if this does not enable us to predict what is going to happen at this or that point, nonetheless, we may develop a certain sensitivity for the dangers contained in certain things and for the hopes that are in others. A sense of the future develops in that I see what destroys the future because it is contrary to the inner logic of the road and what, on the other hand, leads onward because it opens the positive doors and corresponds to the inner design of the whole. To that extent, the ability to diagnose the future can develop. It's the same with the prophets. They are not to be understood as seers, but as voices who understand time from God's point of view and can therefore warn us against what is destructive and on the other hand, show us the right road forward. This meditation is taken from Benedictus, published by Ignatius Press and Magnificat, and produced by St. Luke Productions. Learn more at stlukeproductions.com. You're listening to Real Presence Live. Now, back to more inspirational and uplifting stories, and a look at the extraordinary things happening in our local area. Heard right here on the RPR Network. Thanks for staying with us as we continue to break down today's gospel coming from Mark chapter 5, verses 21 through 43. Uh, so far, uh, Brandon Clark here, joined by Steve Swanskowski and Brad Gray. So far, the theme, gentlemen, has been faith, right? We've talked a little bit about faith, and I know, Brad, uh, you wanted to mention a couple more points just on that. Right. I think you guys were making some awesome observations about this element of faith. And, and it was interesting, you know, I think both of you pointed, like, that Jesus pointed specifically to the faith, both of the woman and of, of Jairus. I mean, he said to the woman, uh, your faith has saved you. And to Jairus, he says, just have faith, right? There's something critically essential about the element of their faith. It isn't just the power of God at work here. It certainly is that. But it's juxtaposed with, it's combined with the faith of those who are receiving that power. And I, I, was, um, I was, as I was reflecting on this, I was thinking about how, you know, you see these great things happening where Jesus is, is uh, you know, causing these miracles to happen and, and, and pointing to the faith of the people that, that are healed. And then you, you can combine that with um, when he goes home, right? He goes home to where he grew up and, um, and he's, he starts interacting with the people, and it says, the scriptures say that he was unable to work many miracles there because of their lack of faith. Mm-hmm. And I just thought that was so powerful because if you think about it, like these are the people that Jesus grew up side by side. They're, they're the people that he knew most, the, the people in, at a very human level that he loved the most because he knew them most intimately. And so you, I would imagine that more than anyone else, Jesus wanted to work miracles for these people. 
And, and so the fact that he, it says that he was unable to work many miracles because of their lack of faith seems to indicate to us that God's ability to act in our lives is directly tied in some way to our faith, to our ability to trust that he can. Like he doesn't impose himself. He, he, he presents himself. He invites. But it, it always demands a response of faith. And I think also, Brad, is that we're, we're continuing down as he... Uh, um, in this story, we were just talking about baptism mm. and and uh, the burial um, funerals. And when he gets into the site, you know, he says, "Why this commotion and weeping?" And I also know that when he comes to raise Lazarus from the dead, there's a commotion, weeping, and it says his spirit is perturbed. Right? He's yeah. he's a little frustrated by this. Now, of course, the Lord does recognize that there's a sadness. Uh, that we experience in death. And he also experienced that sadness in Lazarus' death. He wept, right? Yep. But he also kind of invites us to looking at, as we were talking about uh, you know, funerals, that this burial rite is an, it's a new birth into the kingdom. And so there's also this sense of, why this commotion and wailing? You know, in this sense, he brings her back to this world, but also our death is, is a birth into new life. And, so th- and that, is, that is, I mean, the resurrection of Christ is the miracle beyond miracles, right? right? It was an unbelievable thing that he would be crucified. He dies, he's buried, and he rises again. And so this is what bring Christ brings us. And this is also, again, a foreshadowing of this. He can, he can not only raise this child, but he raises his own body from the dead so that we can go where he goes in his ascension. Right, yeah, even death falls short. Even death fails before yes. Jesus, which, which to me is amazing. Another thing that stood out to me actually was... <clears throat> so there, there's this this image I have of this large crowd just walking with Jesus, and, and they're walking all the way to Jairus's house, right? Um, but it says that he did not allow anyone to accompany him inside except Peter, James, and John. And I was thinking about the closeness of these three apostles to mm-hmm. Jesus and the invitation that we have to be close to Jesus and the things that they not only witnessed, right, when they were with Jesus, but the things that we will witness as we stand beside Jesus and we become Jesus's disciples and carrying out his good work by spreading the gospel message. I, I think, like, it, it can be, it can from, from an outsider looking in, it can seem like there's a lot of impossible causes. Mm-hmm. But in having faith, in trusting in Jesus, and knowing that he is the Lord and Savior, the King of the universe— really nothing is impossible with him and so you know i just love this idea of of being with jesus and and putting myself in this gospel reading and and going into the house and watching all of this happen before Mm. my eyes and i i can just imagine like the the shock and awe and like the it says they were everybody was astounded right but then I, i would imagine that just just in them you know peter james and john it just seems like they're like yeah, like let's go, you know? Like like there's there's this this um this energy alive in them, the zeal that mm. comes alive in them when they say this is the guy. Well, I want to build off that personal nature too because he has this personal friendship with these three gentlemen who he takes them up onto the mountain uh, for the transfiguration. Mm-hmm. But the words in here and I think this is where it's so important and uh, folks, you're thinking, like, okay, how come these guys can talk about the scripture like this? It's because we pray with the scripture. And I want to invite anyone out there mm-hmm. who's listening right now, on a daily basis, do some, we call it Lexio Divina, where you read the scriptures, you put yourself in there, and you pray with them. And it just shows this personal nature of our God, where he says, you know, 
he took the child by the hand. Mm. We also know, where else is that? There's many places that happen, but also when Peter walked down the water yeah. and he started said, Lord, save me. And he reached out immediately and pulled him by the hand. Yes. He re- he's so personal with us. He wants to know us intimately. And one way that we can know him, him intimately is to read scripture and pray with scripture in this mm-hmm. Lexio like we're doing here right now. One of the things that uh, kind of going on that, that intimate, the, the Lord intimately knowing us and going back to what Brandon was just saying, one of the things that's kind of fascinating about you know, Peter, James, and John, like you mentioned, they go to the transfiguration. Uh, they're the ones that are called into the garden, deeper into the garden with Jesus at, at Gethsemane when he's in his passion. And here, um, and it's, uh, what's fascinating about these three is they're the only three that Jesus renames. Jesus mm-hmm. renames Peter or Simon Peter Kephas and the James and John the sons of thunder right he gives them gives them a different name and I, and they're the ones that are invited into these heavenly encounters right like like there's a sort of heaven coming down to the transfiguration there's this power of, of heaven breaking forth in the healing of this little child um, in in Gethsemane like right there in the midst of his his passion and it's just like I, to me, because the, the scripture, uh, the, the church talks about different levels of scriptural interpretation. There's the literal means of like, what is the text actually saying? But then there are three scriptural or spiritual senses of scripture. And one of them is like this, this what they call the eschatological or the, the, what does this mean with regard to the end? You know? And so like only these three that have been renamed by, by Jesus, who have received their name from Jesus are entered into the, are invited into the house along with him. I was just like, wow, that's, I mean, it's kind of saying something about all of us. Like, we all have to be renamed. We give ourselves many names, many names that are false oftentimes. You know, a lot of times we can be very down on ourselves. We can, um, we can berate and we can, you know, use all sorts of, of, of names and, and indications that are not from God. We know they're not from the heart of God. And, and these three were, were renamed by, by Jesus. And I just thought that was kind of a powerful invitation for us, too, that we need to be we need to receive that identity, that, that closeness, that intimacy from Jesus, and that it's ultimately him who initiates, right? And we receive that. The other thing I was thinking about, just to kind of take this thing full circle, we talked about at the beginning Jairus as a father, right? So I think about this whole miracle has now happened, and Jairus as a father, and then the mother there in the room watching all of this happen. I think it really says a lot about the importance of us as fathers mm-hmm. um, and, and mothers in leading our children t- towards Christ, right? In, in bringing Christ to our children to have that profound encounter. Beautiful. Yeah, I think that's always a, that great invitation, um, of course, as fathers. And I know for many, many years I was, had that invitation to bless our children. Mm-hmm. We just had mm-hmm. this men's retreat out at Maryville. And he mentioned it again, I thought, okay, how many times have I heard this? And I've never done it. Mm. So I went home, and I blessed my children. Um, I blessed my wife. Um, and it was kind of interesting. The, the next day, the very next day, I was, I was out late because I had to work, working later that day for some meetings. And, and my wife called and said, uh, Damien is waiting up because he wants his blessing. Ah. Mm. And, uh, but so now, now when I give them a, they always give them a hug good night. But now they kind of stand there like, where's the blessing, Dad? Yes. You know? and yeah. it, so it, just kind of that piece, though, too, where you know, being intentional and showing our children um, that they hold a special place um, and, and for us and, and, and that we uh, really want them to prosper um, and be filled with the Spirit, I think, is sometimes those 
those external gestures. As men, we're yes. kind of like, okay, I'm not doing this. This is just too touchy-feely. But sometimes you just kind of go outside your comfort zone yep. and do a little bit more of that. So. I got to jump on top of that because I've been blessing the kids for years uh, at bedtime. And uh, it, it's cool. I also was struck by what he was sharing because I, I, I amplified it after that retreat that we were at, the men's retreat. Because I now, you know, like I used to be kind of put my head on my hand on their head and just rattle on the words, which I'd use the, the words that, that God gave through Moses to Aaron to bless the people from number six, the, what's called the Aaronic blessing. I have to say it very carefully, otherwise it sounds <laughs> It's not different. ironic. Yeah. yeah. Um, so anyway, uh, I blessed him, but now what I've changed, I started doing is like looking them, I asked them if I can look, look, in, look into their eyes when I give them the blessing. And um, like I said, I've been doing it for years. I have uh, a couple older daughters, 26 and 25. When they come home, they ask me if they can have their blessing before they go to bed. Mm-hmm. And it's just been like when I, when I give the kids a blessing, especially now looking into their eyes, they just glow. Mm-hmm. Like my kids just light up. And it is so cool because like you say, Steve, it is really hard to overemphasize the power of a father, the, the impact of a father on his children. You see it certainly here in Jairus, but we see it societally as well, you know. Yeah, I also bless my children. Um, it's something I've been doing since birth, since their birth. Not my birth, but their <laughs> birth. Um, and and it's, it's amazing because Bella, who's not quite three yet, she always is like, blessing and kisses, blessing and kisses. Uh, it, it just, I don't know. There's something about that with a daughter that just melts my heart. Yeah. And, and, you know, Nathaniel, he'll even, he'll even get a big smile, you know, as, a, as I'm blessing him. But, you know, I just think about the, the meaningfulness of that. Like, what father wouldn't do anything he could for, for his child, right? We would go to the ends of the earth for our child, and bringing Christ to them is one of the most important things we can do. Any last thoughts, Steve? No, I think, uh, and Brad, for me, it was just very simple because, you know, going back to baptism, you know, you trace the, the cross on their forehead. Yep. And so just going back to their baptismal promise that we made for them, I just traced the cross on their forehead. Yeah. Um, and so it doesn't have to be anything profound, but again, you know, it's something to pray about, uh, something to ask the Lord uh, if that's something he'd like you to do with your family. It's, a, again, a, a beautiful reminder to our children how much we love them. Brad, last thoughts. Ah, uh, gosh, it's it just th- this is so rich. I think what Steve said earlier to, uh, if you, if people aren't in the practice already of praying with the scriptures, gosh, this the Lord speaks so potently individually to us all. So if if that's not something you do, or if you struggle to do it, keep struggling, keep you know make keep striving because I just think there's so much riches. The Lord God wants to speak to you directly and individually through His Word. Brad, as always, it's been a pleasure having you on. Thanks for joining us this morning. Thanks for having me, guys. It's such a joy. And to our listeners, again, you can visit usccb.org. You can find the Daily Gospel reading there. Otherwise, there's other apps out there, including iBrevery, uh, which has daily readings. Just some way, that invitation is there to engage in Scripture, dive into Scripture, and hear the Lord's voice. All right, coming up on Real Presence Live, stubbed toes, car accidents, getting taken advantage of. These are not things that we're typically happy about, but... Should we be thanking God and praising him for these circumstances? I don't know. We'll find out with Father Jason Leffer. He'll join us on Real Presence Live when we continue after this. Stay with us. There's more Real Presence Live to come on the Real Presence Radio Network. Did you know you can listen to Real Presence Live anytime on any podcast platform? Just search for Real Presence Radio on platforms such as Spotify, Apple Music, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, and on the Real Presence Radio website. Then subscribe so you don't miss any future shows. If you like what you hear, 
give us a good rating so other people can find us as well. Real Presence Radio, your family of faith and hope. Hi, this is Ben Frost from Holy Spirit Church in Virginia, Minnesota. I work with adult evangelization. I'm also a father of five children. And for me, I'm just so blessed to have Real Presence Radio in our area because the reality is, is life gets very busy. Uh, the many blessings of working in the church and also raising five children and being a husband. But sometimes I just need times to refuel and to just be present to the Lord. So for me, it's just such a blessing to go into my car in the busyness of my day and to turn on Real Presence Radio. And it really renews me. It fills me with the Holy Spirit. It helps me to be a better father, helps me to be a better husband, and it helps me to be a better worker for our church. So I'm just very blessed that we have Real Presence Radio and we continue just to pray for the Lord's blessings and support for all of their amazing work. As you think about your future, there is one more thing you can do. Write or update your will and estate plan. If you pass away without a plan, all you have worked for in life, both financially and emotionally, will be decided and divided by someone you may have never met before. We have some tools to help you in your planning. For more information, please visit our plan giving website at rprlegacy.org or call Mike at 701-290-4503. Let's get started.